America. My name is I'm Yosef Frimpong. I come to you live every Thursday with a political show, but I want to start giving free game on Monday. It's a game you get for free. Now, if you appreciate what I say, you should go over to www.funkyacademic.com, kick in $5, 15 or $50. But for the most part, I just want to live in a better world. I want to raise my kids in a better world. So I give the game away for free so that you don't screw up the world that then my kids have to inhabit. So how does casual divorce, the culture of casual divorce, change what it is to be married, right? So when divorce was stigmatized or hard to get in the time before no-fault divorce and pretty much before the 70s, um, you had external, people didn't have to be particularly good at marriage. You had the entire uh, economy and the legal apparatus keeping people together, right? You didn't actually have to think through what it meant to be you know, a good spouse and all that stuff. Um, because as soon as you just, you just had to have a culture to get people married, but once they were married, they were held together, the, the union was held together externally, right? And then the culture of no-fault divorce came in and kind of ran rampant through that and said, well, if you're not happy, you just get divorced, right? But that changes not only the approach to marriage, like before you get married, but that changes the content of the marriage. Right, because now you're never not just kind of dating. <laughs> you're always just kind of dating. As long as you understand that marriage simply means, you know, it's just another form of living together of two people who happen to be living together. There is no union there because a union where anybody can just wake up one day, file, you know, a paperwork online even. I'm sure there's going to be an app. I'm sure ChatGPT could be a your divorce lawyer pretty soon and get a divorce isn't really a union, isn't a substantive union um, because there's nothing that actually keeps the unity of the thing. You're always just kind of two independent entities. So what does that mean if you want to marry in a way that actually enjoys the peculiar freedom to go along with marriage? And the peculiar freedom to go along with marriage is being able to interact with another person and interact with the world in a way that you know that the other person won't leave you and you won't leave the other person. Um, immediately because like you're in a mood right there's a peculiar kind of freedom that you can have with someone who's going to be with you and that's the same reason why you want to get advice from someone like who's you know a wise friend and a wise family member as opposed to a professional because the wise family member is stuck with you so they're not going to give you bad advice in the same way they might give you bad advice in a different way, but you could see that the professional gets paid whether you get fixed or broken. Actually, they get, they get paid if you stay being broken because then you keep going back for more you know, professional counseling or whatever. So there's a peculiar kind of freedom you can have and peculiar kind of self-determination you can only have with someone who is going to be with you with the consequences, right? And there's a, a peculiar kind of relationship they can have with you, knowing that no matter what, you're going to be with them. Right? So, um, that all kind of goes out the window in an era of casual divorce if there's no culture that actually upholds that peculiar kind of freedom as a form of freedom that's, you know, unique and not to be um, trespassed upon through the predations of kind of a market ideology that infects all of our uh, interactions. Right? So a marriage isn't a contract because you can get out of contracts. A marriage is a union. It's a covenant, which is different. And if you get those confused, it's because you don't have the culture to get married. Like you, you've been poorly enculturated.
which is fine because that's why I produce these videos to give you the quality of culture so that you don't make a hash out of your life or other people's lives by thinking that, well, it's just a business contract. And if it's not working for me, I should be able to leave. And what do you bring to the table? Like, like no, that's just not how these things work. What you're agreeing to is to figure out next steps, like together without actually, without an exit option. That's fine. And just like to play soccer is to figure out how to move the ball from here to that goal without using your hands. If you say that like, well, I should be able to use my hands when I want to. No, well then that's great, but you don't want to play soccer and you don't want the peculiar kind of dignity and freedom of the beautiful game that can only come when both people forswear the, all players except for the goalies forswear the ability to use their hands, right? So the, the, this is one of those deals where the bonds make it the kind of thing that it is. And by liberalizing a culture of liberalized divorce, you kill the kind of thing that it is because you're killing the bonds that make it the kind of thing that it is. So instead of actually getting married, you're always just kind of dating. Um, you know, for some people that would be okay, right? Like, let's say that you buy into these traditional gender norms and you consider yourself the provider and you'll do whatever it takes to provide. And that means you'll suck up to whatever boss tells you to suck up and you'll just come and, and make the money and, you know, she'll be at home. Like, um, I don't know, doing whatever. Um, and there's this idea that, um, well, that won't work for a lot of people. That won't work for anybody who actually cares about justice because if a black guy is doing whatever it is to make the boss happy, that's not going to be good for black people. Right. And let's be honest, most, um, 90% of college educated divorces and like something like 60 to 80% of, of non-college educated couples divorce, it's women leading. Right. So it's women divorcing guys. And I am a very divorceable type of guy uh, because I, I'm, I'm, I don't try to pretend like I'm not. Like my dad was divorced. Uh, my, my, my mom divorced my dad. Uh, I like divorce happens. And to live your life and pretend that like you could never be divorced. Well, you know, my dad had that attitude. His dad, my granddad had like four wives in Ghana. Right? Kind of, you know. It was a polygamous household in Ghana, and then that, that worked out fine for, like, all of them. So he came to the United States assuming that he can keep one wife. Turned out that didn't happen, and he, he never got remarried because the whole thing kind of flummoxed him after, after my mom bounced. And I just figured, you know, I'm a pretty divorceable guy, and I don't want to end up that— And the worst part of that for both my dad and me is that, like, I never, I never really saw him because this was, like, you know, the time where you had two— uh, to every other weekend you saw, you're, you're supposed to see the divorced spouse who didn't get custody. And what kind of relationships can you build under every other weekend? Like in LA traffic, right? So like, I pretty much never saw him. And that's, uh, and, and so if you're kind of like me and you want to get married, you know, but you want to actually raise your kids, that means you have to always think that what, is, what does it mean to get married in an era of divorce? So that's why I made this video because I don't think anyone's ever made a video. I've never seen a video where people talk honestly about what, like we're regular guys, not guys who are going to do whatever it takes um, and, and commit all sorts of crimes to keep their lady happy no matter what.
But regular guys who like me, you know, bad things can happen. When bad things happen like me, like I might have a heart attack at 40. Like I might, or, or, or I'm, I'm over 40 now. But like, you know, I could lose a job. I, I might go broke. When you, when you marry me for better, for worse, for, in sickness and health and for rich and for poor, like all of those bad things could happen. And I expect you to keep your butt there, which means that we need to actually have a talk. It's not, these aren't just kind of idle, idle wishes. Um, and that's the kind of talk that you didn't have to have a few generations ago before like casual divorce was the thing. Because like I said, I'm a, I'm a rather divorceable looking guy. And in my mean, uh, it's also a, a reason why I always just in dating in general, I always kind of under, under talk and over deliver in a way that I, uh, you know, I, I look like this, which isn't great, but it's also, if you look pretty t particularly closely, it's not that bad. I was in a gym for 10 years. I still run a few miles a day. Like, like if I shave and get a haircut and put on contacts, I'm actually like not a bad looking guy, but I don't, I don't put that out there because I, I like having a low bar. That means you can just kind of like hop right over it pretty consistently. People always say, all right, man, you need to be better putting your, your best foot forward. And I was like, no, nah, I want to put my most sustainable foot forward because I don't want to be stressing about putting my best foot forward all the time. Because if you put your best foot forward all the time, you can never actually like attend to anything else. And that becomes, and you become a rather superficial person. So now I put my most sustainable foot forward and that allows me to actually grow in other things um, rather than always like worrying about my appearance. But once again, if, if you look closely, you can tell that I'm like, I'm not a, not a bad looking guy. Like I, so it's, 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 it, it, it was a good test, um, for my dating. So I would be able to, because people who are really superficial, um, and you know, some of these real dating coaches who you have to pay for will say that like, no, you got to kind of impress her and show that you can provide and do all of that. I say, actually do the opposite. Because what happens when you can't provide? If you're looking for a marriage, what happens when something happens? That person's gonna, the person who you had to lure in with a nice car and fancy talk will bounce. And if you don't want someone to bounce, then don't, like, don't, don't try to impress with something that you can't sustain or whose sustenance isn't up to you, right? Like if you're independently wealthy, and you try to impress someone by buying them a lot of stuff. That's one thing because you're independently wealthy. And so you don't have to worry about it getting taken away. But if you have a good job and you're not independently wealthy and you try to impress someone by buying your stuff, that what they're doing is that relationship, that personal relationship is making you a slave to this particular job in a way. Then what happens when your boss asks you to do something unbecoming? Well, you do it because if you don't do the unbecoming thing for your boss, then you lose your whole personal relationship. I never had to worry about any of that. I never had to worry about any of that. I could go from job to job. I could, I could just do, I could make the decisions I had to. By the way, if you appreciate me doing what I'm doing, once again, go to www.funkyacademic.com. This quality of wisdom doesn't pay for itself. Um, and yeah, I, I, you know, I, my, my kids got soccer and music and all these things to, to pay for and swimming lessons and everything else to pay for. So I would appreciate you uh, going to www.funkyacademic.com and kicking in the $515, $50. That'll give you the, uh, the, the, the quality of wisdom to not screw up your life. 
So you put your best foot forward, you put all this money into trying to attract the right mate. But then what happens when you attract the right mate and then the money goes? Well, you've, you've kind of hooked the mate into a quality of lifestyle and, an, uh, and uh, a presentation of yourself that was not sustainable internally. So that's a problem. So not only now do you risk your ha half your assets by getting married and the, and the casual, cal of, of, of casual divorce where they can just kind of divorce you and take a chunk of your assets in terms of child support and all of that, what they can do also now is take away your ability to raise kids. And that's what scared me more than anything else. I never cared about anyone um, taking away my stuff. You can take away all my stuff. Either I'll make more stuff or like I'll just get less stuff. I don't care about the stuff. The idea that someone could just leave and take away my kids is terrifying. And I'm, when I say take away my kids, I'm saying take away 100% control of my kids. Because there is no 50-50 parenting. It's 100-100 parenting. and this idea that you can just kind of be a parent, a good parent three days a week is ridiculous. Like there is no, there is no LeVar Ball three days a week. There is no Richard Williams three days a week, <laughs> especially none of these guys or like of all the black fathers. Now, um, it's funny. You read about like Mbappe's dad or Neymar's dad or, or like pretty much anyone's or daughters, like all these great daughters that are coming out, um, like sports stars are just like serious daughters who are coming out and they're a complete reflection of like the intensity that they're honestly, their dad put into them every day. They're, you can't do that three and a half days a week. Like I do math with my kids every, I do violin, cello, piano. I do music with my kids every day. I couldn't do that three times a week. And I do that with them because I want them to be something. I do math with my kids every day. I couldn't do that three times a week. I couldn't parent the way that I would like to parent um, three times a week or three and a half times a week and, or just on weekends. So the idea that you can marry someone and then they take away your ability to parent your kids adequately because parenting your kids only 50%, 50% of the time is fundamentally inadequate. Like, given the aspirations like you should have for your kids. If you have any sort of meaningful aspirations for your kids, it's going to take the everyday work, hands-on work with your kids. I'm telling you this right now. Like, I suspect, I suspect Floyd Mayweather Sr. didn't, like, just work with his kid three days a week. Uh, like, there is no... Yeah, this isn't a three-day-a-week thing. This isn't a three and a half day a week thing or a weekends thing. That's just the way. So like all of these single parent, like I'll do a show on single parents um, doing one of the political shows, but it's just, it's just setting yourself up for mediocrity, a step down from wherever you are. Now, if you're super high, a step down is not that big of a deal. But if you're just kind of regular, like setting your kid up to be downwardly mobile is just cruel. It's a form of child abuse. Um, and 50-50 parenting is just not real, not serious parenting. At least in this household, it wouldn't be serious parenting. Um, so yeah, so, the, so what always scared me about the prospect of divorce and even marriage in general is that I really wanted kids, but I um, was terrified about the idea of someone taking like, my kids away from me. Even giving me half time with the kids is still taking my kids away from me because what it is to be with me is to be full time with me. Right? And, and, yeah, and so 
Um, you need to take that in consideration. So all I ever had when thinking about like both courting and marriage would be like, yeah, you know, I, I, I bring a quality of intensity to very important relationships, including parenting and including like politics and including all of these things that depending on who you talk to, aren't really that important in a marriage, right? Does, people will say that, well, is he a good father? And they mean like, is he going to pro protect and provide? And I was like, well, I might protect and provide, but I'm, I might not protect and provide, but I'll be a good father. And then people will be like, well, what does that even mean? I'll be like, well, you know, you, you actually have to culturally educate and instill virtue in children in a way that's like not uh, commonly done. Now, I'll admit that I think that most parents are bad parents. I think probably... 10-15% of parents in the United States are good parents. And of those 10-15%, 5% have no idea what they're doing. They just kind of lucked into it uh, through good habits. But if you actually took advice from them, they would be completely bad at giving advice because they have no idea why what they're doing is working. And then another 5% of them know why what they're doing is working, but they also know it's like institutionals. Like, for example, like a lot of Jews and Catholics or like your recent immigrants or something like that will come here with very fixed and firm institutions. Um, and so they can work within those institutions to, to do very well by their children, but they can't give advice to you because you're not surrounded by those kinds of institutions, especially black people. If you're looking at, you don't have that kind of institutions, uh, institutional background, which will enable you to be a good, um, parent for that for that five percent and then there's the five percent who uh you know who do it like that spelling bee champ from a few years ago that black guy uh the, the black woman whose dad like actually masterminded it and, and they're like you know the um yeah you know the good parents the good parents and i i count richard williams and tiger wood's dad and all that like i i count them and those are the people who you actually can get advice from. Um, you can actually get advice from about how to raise children because they actually had to think through it and design a program um, with whatever institutional support is lying around. You know, you get a, you get a job at a tennis center. Okay, you're going to make your kids tennis champs because now you got keys <laughs> to, the, to the tennis center. Right, so you, those are the kind of people who actually can give advice about how to be a good parent, but most other parents can't, right? So this idea that you can pitch yourself as being like a good parent doesn't really matter when people don't think in the culture that fathers are like matter, right? And also a lot of women don't understand that like actually being a good mother matters. <laughs> like I wish, I wish I saw more athletes, parents, and the, and you find out the person driving them, and more excellent like, and the person, and you find out the person driving them was their mothers. You find this, I feel like more in Asian and immigrant cultures because the mothers are less like are more, less worried about being nice to their kids and actually are more serious about being like mothers, <laughs> like actually parents. And and it's not necessarily the case that Richard William like that LeVar Ball or that, I don't know about Sidney McLaughlin's. I know her dad was really involved, but I think her mom's pretty fast too. Like, it's not necessarily the case that the driving parent has to be the dad. It could be the mom. It's just that we make crappy moms in the United States. And so they think that all they have to do is be nice. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. It's just not the case. 
It's just not the case. They should know how to do things. So we need women who know how to do things and then women who know how to teach things. But teaching things often mean like not being necessarily nice all the time. And so um, that's what I offer. You know, my, it's funny, my own wife didn't even really appreciate that until she sees kind of how our kids thrive, especially like during the pandemic and all that stuff. Like our kids kind of just grew and thrive and are thriving right now. And then she looks at all of her kind of more wealthier, wider friends and their kids are ex. The more money around in the families and all that stuff. Everyone's got like good jobs, kind of. All the parents have good jobs, but the kids are just like not great, not great humans. Not, they're, they're just they're just not great because the, her friend's parents are not great parents, and being a parent is hard. It takes a quality of kind of uh, intentionality that we didn't have right so that they didn't that they don't they didn't have because they whites especially white liberals think that all this happens by magic white liberals don't even raise their kids and they just pay for rehabs when they screw up raising their kids so like it's 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 a kind of a, a mess right so the culture of divorce is a culture that just kind of normalizes bad parenting and i didn't want any of that and so when you date for marriage you have to date for someone who understands that divorce isn't an option. This is a hard thing for a lot of women to understand because they would, they'll tell you that they understand that, but then they lie to themselves. These are the same people who like, you know, who lie to themselves about a lot of things. So, and the society will gas them up about divorce. Nobody, nobody goes, none of these women go to a, a, either a therapist or a friend who says you need to work this out because it'll screw up your kids. Like, especially liberals, none of them go to therapists or friends who tell them to work things out because it'll screw up their kids. Every, they go to people who, the same people who told them that they look slim in that dress or uh, that they're a 10 when they were 22, when they were really a five. Those are the same people who are saying like, well, you just need to eat, pray, love, and, and, and be happy and, and leave your man because he's not making you happy. So like they've been gassed up their whole life and then they'll go to a therapist or a friend who'll gas them up and have them divorce you. So you need to have like real conversations and think in these terms, in terms of dating. Because if you're, if people are not honest with themselves and a lot of liberals are just like low key conservatives. They just don't have any alternative content, right? So they don't, they, they think that they're emancipated from these gender scripts, but then they, actually expect you to fulfill the gender scripts. So you need to be quite clear if you, like me, are not going to fulfill the white guy gender scripts, you need to be very clear from the beginning that if you're looking for a man to be what you think a man is going to be, keep, keep it moving. Keep it moving. You're, you're, what you're looking for, like I'm, I'm a guy who's going to work out with you and work things out with you and um, figure out how to make it work. And yeah, and, and I expect you to do the same and take accountable accountability in a way that like a lot of men don't expect women to take accountability because like they've we pretty much infantilized women in a way that's, I think, unbecoming, but um, it's, it's not going to uh, be able to be upheld in any household in which I'm a partner on, right? So you need to put that forth at the beginning, put that forth at the beginning and make it be known 
that one, we're not divorcing, and two, this isn't going to be a traditional household. So if you have to come in with traditional expectations, then that's going to be a problem. I will say one more thing about my mom's divorce, you know, back in the 80s. Uh, like, black culture just was not ready for the liberalization of marriage, right? So the liberalization of marriage, where, or of divorce, where white women kind of just decided that if they weren't happy in their lives, um, they could just leave their, hu their awful husbands who, or if they didn't need the protection and the provision of their husbands, they could just leave their awful husbands. What that happened in black, what that happened in black households was, well, black women didn't, weren't really, couldn't functionally be protected or provided for by black men anyway. So they just left just because make them happy. And my mom, it's funny because she admitted that like, yeah, I, I did, it did make me happy because, yeah, it's nice not having to share power or share decisions over the household with somebody else, especially if you don't have a culture of sharing power or sharing decisions. So, yeah, she was like, yeah, I was relieved when I divorced your father. You got to understand my father was like a no BS African guy who like actually like drilled us and stuff and like and, and he inhabits a lot of the habits that I have as a father. But like it was pretty foreign to my mother. So it could look abusive or it could look hard. And when he would like discipline us and, and discipline, you know, my sister and expect things and expect like excellence from us, um, it could look hard and look, it could look abusive to someone who's not actually just normalized to seeing what excellence, how it's generated. And, um, but now she realizes that it screwed up both my sister. My sister kind of got the worst of it. Um, and me by just taking away our dad because we both could have used a dad and would have, would have profited from our lives from a dad. Um, but you have to understand that nobody's going to go to their friends or a therapist and hear that actually you're better parents with the other parent. No, they're going to they're gonna go and it's going to seem a short term, it's going to be a sugar buzz. It'll be a short term high of like, go find yourself and make yourself free. And then the long term, why aren't my kids thriving as I, as, as they should have. Um, and so that's the stakes of how casual divorce changes marriage because casual divorce takes away not only takes away the external constraints that kept marriage together, it actually inserts, inserts a market ideology into marriage that degrades the peculiar freedoms that marriage have. So you need to have that conversation with your spouse beforehand. If they don't get it, you got to let them go. And if they don't get it after watching this video, you might have to let them go. Actually, this is what you should do for your, for your fourth date. <laughs> just watch this video kick in five, fifteen, or fifty dollars um, as if you go into the movies and then talk about what I'm talking about about how you can't really consider marriage a business relationship or you can't even consider it like a passion a matter of passion because passion fades and business relationships you can always bounce um, you could quit the business the business can go out of business no it's a covenant it's a forever covenant alright it's it's you're becoming the kind of thing that now can depend on another person, no matter what externally, whatever, what happens, right? And so any sort of ideology that 
is predatory upon that that tells you that like, no, you can just leave your spouse or your spouse can just leave you at any point in time. That's actually a degradation of the peculiar kind of freedom and self-determination that can only come from a committed relationship where you can't leave at any time. Right? So I think the liberal is the idea of liberalizing soccer to, we can improve soccer by allowing people to use their hands when they really want to. Like, no, actually you kill the beautiful game. And that's the same thing with a marriage. You, 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 people who think that you can improve marriage by allowing spouses to leave whenever they want to actually kill the peculiar kind of freedom that can come from, that only comes from being committed. And yeah, so you're destabilizing assets, which is a thing if you care about assets, but mostly you're destabilizing the ability to raise your kids and to determine your family. Right? And that's what's, that's what's horrifying. Um, but a lot of people don't take this seriously because they don't take parents, they don't take parenting seriously. They think it's about, you know, cooking and cleaning and, and keeping the kids fed as opposed to the everyday cultural development. You know, the working with the reading with them, the, the, the working math with them, the working, the specific activities that you have with them. Like we play soccer every day. We do music every day. And that's the way they'll become excellent. And you can't even, you can't really pay coaches and stuff like that to do all of this with your children because the coaches don't have the same vested interest when they're developing. They might have a vested interest when they're excellent already, but not when they're developing. I mean, that's one thing also, it's one thing I noticed about a lot of these kind of professional kid development things like the Taekwondo, the, the martial arts lessons and all that stuff. A lot of those places are kind of just they need your kid coming back, so they're not going to be as hard on your kid as you need to. You need someone to yell at your kid, to make your kid feel bad. You need, they need to be in places where like, things get cut. They have to worry about getting cut. I need to find my, more activities where my kids have to worry about being cut. Which is fine. Um, but I think that these are important skills. Anyway, it's a half hour. I don't want this to be too long. But think about you can't think about marriage the way your grandparents did. You got to think about it in a way where the culture is going to exploit any vulnerabilities to get you divorced. Um, and I think that's important. Don't put your best foot forward because, <laughs> because when that best foot goes away, that's going to be a divorce. Right, because, because yeah, so like it, it, it changes all of dating and the relationships in a way that you need to be mindful of. So thank you for your time. If you appreciate what I'm doing, go to www.funkyacademic.com and I will kick in and I'll just keep kind of keep doing what I'm doing. We're going to talk about something completely different for the politics show on Thursday, but I will see you.